Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's always soccer in Philadelphia. No uh, fancy intro today. No music, no sound bites, nothing like that. This is going to be a practical and pragmatic decompression session. And joining me to do that uh, is a very practical and pragmatic man himself. It's Matt the George, sports doctor, MD from the Delco Times. Matthew, what's up? I, I think it's a win that this that this podcast didn't start with just one very long sigh. I think or that would have been the, yes, that yeah. would have been just a a very long and extended. Oh boy, yeah, just for yeah. about three and a half minutes. So that's that's a bit of a win. Well, I'm trying to think of Dave was over at my house when they played in the 2018 U.S. Open Cup final. And we were all prepared to do a post game show, and uh, I don't really know. I don't even really remember how we started that podcast. I think there was just a bunch of like grunting or like disappointing sounds coming through the microphone, but we weren't we weren't really pre- prepared to talk about a loss. Um, this one, you know, we're a little further removed from it. I wasn't going to do anything like right after the game or the day after the next day because it's still pretty raw for people, and I don't I don't want to like you know. I know some people are hurting and it was a tough loss and all of that, but you, you and I, I think this, this is where our like, you know, journalism background kind of helps a little bit. Cause we, we don't get too high. We don't get too low. You know, it's easy for us to kind of look at it and, you know, be, uh, be realistic about it and, and kind of talk about things in, in a practical sense. So um, I've got a laundry list of like items just to go over from the, from the game here, but I, I always like tossing it to, to you guys first, just for a kind of macro level, like introductory takeaway here. I mean, it was an amazing game. I mean, if you weren't if you weren't emotionally involved with the uh, with the outcome, then it was just an amazing game to watch back and forth. There was star power. There was drama. There was uh, there was uh, a Canadian goalie being carted off with injury. It's got everything. Um, so I, I think that was one of my big takeaways from it is that if nothing else, and we've seen before, MLS Cup finals have been occasionally wretched endeavors of just painful soccer to watch this was not that and so at the very least as a neutral i am very glad that it was a great advertisement for mls and if there are people that this was the first mls game that they've watched they're going to watch more and that's great um short of that i i i texted a couple people after the game and my big takeaway immediately after the game other than trying to figure out um, what color glove Framber Valdez was using was um, mm. I, I don't know how Jim Curtin or a lot of people involved with the union were going to sleep that night. Cause that's just, it, it's just gut wrenching of, of a loss. It is, um, it is. And it's such a conflicted loss. Cause if you compare it to that U S open cup loss in Houston in 2018. Yeah. Uh, that was a game where you just went to bed mad because they played like crap and got they were dominated. Played off the field. Yeah. This this was a game where they arguably played better than LAFC for large stretches. Actually, won the XG battle, which I was a little surprised by this morning when I looked it up. Um, and really deserved to win in a lot of ways. Uh, 
and didn't. So I, I, I can't imagine what the, the, the pain and the, the sense of regret from a lot of fans was after that game. Let me make a macro level response to that. And then we'll go back and we'll go chronologically through the game because the, the prevailing narrative after that from union fans and from four for four casuals alike who are watching the game, the prevailing narrative was that they choked, right? Choke is a very American sports kind of thing. I personally think it's overused. I liken it to, uh, you know, so-and-so got exposed, right? I think we use exposed. I think we use choke too often. Um, The bottom line is that, yes, they blew a lead up three to two with like three minutes left on the clock. Uh, And in a vacuum, I don't think anybody can dispute that. If you want to say that in – you know, the entirety of the game, the, the one prevailing takeaway is that they coughed it up late. Uh, sure. Okay. Um, I think it just doesn't really tell the full story of the game though, because mm-hmm. there was so much shit that happened, Matt, you know what I'm saying? It's like, first of all, they came back from one, nothing down. They mm-hmm. came back from two to one down. Mm-hmm. You had the broken leg and the breakaway. Um, you had, you got the penalty kicks anyway. Right. So you still had a chance to win when you got to that. I think when you look at the entirety of the 120 plus minutes and everything that happened in this game and all the opportunities that they had, the opportunities that LA blew, by the way, mm-hmm. it, it, it just seems cheap to me to boil it down to just one item that they choked, right? So yeah. I, I, as you know, I'm a firm believer in the idea that more than one thing can be true. And in this game, we had like 20 of those items specifically. So I just can't look at this game and go back and and focus on that solely mm-hmm. because I think too much happened in the rest of the game for us to, to, to go to that by default. You know what I mean? Yeah. And in the same way that I don't think it's fair to look at what the final score of this game was and say, as a result, the union failed this season in any kind of way, you know, uh, it, it's the same, it's two sides of the same coin. And when you really think about it, not not just everything that it took for them to get in this position, um, but, you know, uh, two great playoff wins, um, all that they accomplished during the season. And even just within the game, I mean, to fight back from down a goal twice yeah. to, uh, I mean, to go out to LAFC and to out, A, to outpossess them, which is completely out of left field. Yeah, and B, did, not, did to, not expect that. Yeah. And B, to, to outplay them from lar- for large stretches of the game. Yeah. Away from, I mean, it, if you put these two teams in Chester and you have this same game, this is a this is a three one four one Union win, mm-hmm. and you you have to realize that how choking I think implies that it was easy and it was right there for them. This is this was such an uphill climb, and if you are at the, you know. If someone reaches 95, 98% of the way up Mount Everest and then falls into a crevasse, that doesn't mean that they've choked their climb to Everest. Like, yeah. that's what yeah. this was, especially on the road, especially without your captain, lest we forget. Um, just so many things working against them that for them to even be there and, and to take the larger stretch of history, how many times in the past would a team like the Union – go to play a team like LA, not in these stakes because they've never been there before, yeah, but yeah. In, in in any kind of game in LA and just get played off the field. And instead they were on the flip side of that. So I, I don't know. I, I think you can rue the missed opportunity 
but it's hard to say that they failed or choked in this way. And that's not, that's, you know, I have no rooting interest in this whatsoever. It makes no, if they, if they went out and got, you know, blown off the field, I've been the first one to say it. Um, but it, it just seems like they've accomplished so much that to, to trip at the finish line. Yeah, it yeah. sucks. But yeah. like, you also have to realize how far from the starting line they are and how much they accomplished and how much more they accomplished than any other team except for LAFC has. And, you know, as I've been thinking about this and obviously I've had lots of airports to think about this through as I've been covering (laughs) the Phillies, but like if we get to the point where, especially now with a 28 team league where the only metric of success in a season is if you've won a championship, yes, that means 27 teams don't bother coming. Like, that seems well, and if we only ever credited those teams, we only talked about those teams in Philadelphia. Who would we be talking about? The 2017 Eagles, the 2008 Phillies, the 1983 Six. I mean, like, I mean, that would that just feels really dire. That yeah, feels really yeah, like, yeah, sad. I mean, are you going to say that only, you know, only Orlando City and and LAFC had good seasons this year, and everyone else was crap? Then what? Are, then what are we doing? What are we playing? Exactly. For? Yeah. Exactly. And, and, I mean, there's you too many play- big. The big individual accomplishments, uh, you know, Ryan Howard's 2006 season, like, should that not matter because they didn't win the World Series, you know? And I mean, even for the, for Union fans, there's so many amazing moments this year when they were just, you know, ramrodding Colorado or Houston or whoever it was, like, this doesn't diminish those. So, yeah, I mean, emotionally, I'm sure for a lot of fans, this has been a difficult week. Yeah. Um, But at the same time, I just... I can't get into the choking narrative all that much. And I also think because, listen, uh, after after uh, after Crapo, Luis Suarez is himself to save that game. Mm-hmm. Um, it, that's that's not an advantage all that much. You don't have that much of an advantage of you were up, you know, to say, oh, well, you got you were up a man. You were up a man for what? Twelve minutes that really felt like three minutes and was hair yeah. on fire. That's yeah. not it. This is this is not you had a red card in the 60th minute and you've had 60 minutes to play like that. That's chaos. Yeah, that's, and they scored on a chaos. and they scored on a set piece too, right? So it yeah. wasn't like it wasn't like it was you were just playing 90 minutes where you're just wearing them down and wearing them down with possession, <clears throat> just bludgeoning them with possession because they were doing more running, right? I mean, it was like I was Tyrone and I were talking about this on Twitter. Uh, Tyrone from 97.5 The Fanatic. I was just like. Mm-hmm. Like I don't, I don't think that the man down thing is like as big of a deal as people were making out to be. Just because I think the game, even an eleven v eleven game at that point, and especially in a title game, it would be frenetic it's and chaos. It would be end, end to end. It's it, would chaos. Be, it would be chaos anyway. So, um, all right. Well, let me get into finer points of that first. I'm glad you and I are on the same page with the choke thing. I just don't want people to go back ten years from now and say, "Oh, they choked," because I don't. I just don't think it tells the full story of the season of the game uh, in particular. So I went down to uh, Subaru for the watch party with my dad. The turnout was amazing. It was hard to tell because, like, there was so many people down on the field. On the field, yeah, yeah. But like, the portion of the lower bowl was full. I think you, I think I could safely say there were seven or eight thousand people there, which is awesome. So good on the uh, the Union front office for opening up the stadium and, and going back. Especially since none of them, especially since none of them were there because they were all in L.A. Yeah, yeah, so. exactly. Well, that, and right because it was not planned initially. They had like a bunch of bullshit little watch parties, you know, scheduled for different places or whatever. So g- credit to them for listening to fans and taking that feedback and opening the stadium because it was a, it was a really good experience. Um, bullet point number two. I'm I'm going straight through my article that I wrote on Crossing Broad uh, over the weekend. Okay, Jose Martinez was all over the place in this game. Um, 
directly responsible. Well, directly responsible for the second goal, mostly responsible for the first goal, mm-hmm. contributed uh, to giving up the third goal as well. Obviously, the first goal, he slices a pass, just fluffs it, right, and hits it straight to another guy, commits the foul that sets up the free kick. Second goal, he just loses his markets, beat on a set piece. Third goal, can't get the ball clear. He's dicking around in his own half. Ultimately, it goes to the throw, and in L.A. comes up the flank, right? Um you know, it was him in a nutshell, man, wasn't it? It was like high highs and low lows. And I just think like, you know, we were saying throughout the year, that's how he plays. He's a volatile player and, and sometimes reckless and sometimes that's good. And sometimes it's not because his attitude and his amplification gets people charged up and he plays with a chip on his shoulder. But, you know, at some point you thought maybe those those that, that rawness in the way that he plays is going to come back and bite them in the ass, you know, and it did a couple times in this game. So, um, it was disappointing from that perspective because he's a guy who's good enough to play in Europe and I just don't. You know, their scouts are going to look at games like this and be like, you know, I, I don't, I don't know if I can take that swing just because he was, he was, a, he was a risk and and had a contribution to all three of the goals that the opponent scored. Yeah, so much of what the Union do defensively is predicated on him being in zone fourteen because once he's not, then things get crazy. Then center backs have to pull out. Then uh, guys have to um, guys have to account differently. You mm-hmm. saw it with the NYCFC goal. Is that when that, all that happened? Uh, that goal gets scored because Jack McGlynn's probably supposed to do the rotation to cover Maxi Morales. And that only happens because Jose is not at a position. So, yeah. Yeah, And I I think the only thing that I would consider a mistake in this game was letting Jose shoot second in the, in the penalty. Huge mistake, huge mistake. That's that's the only thing. Easy for us to go back and say that in hindsight too. But even if you watch that game, like he's just not. I, Jack, I, that Jack Elliott's got to take that shot. I mean, I would let Elliott. Yeah. Elliott has taken penalties before, and he's scored twice. I would have gone Gazdag Elliott, um, Gazdag Elliott, uh, Wagner, and uh, would you let Carranza take the take one? Then I would have kept Carranza for five. Then maybe yeah. Martinez for. See, that's the problem it. too. I mean, when you got to make these subs, it's like uh, you know, you're you're just you're you're. Going see penalties by penalties is counterintuitive to the rest of the game flow, right? Because when you get into like, uh, you know, those dire moments, you're all just like trying to scrap and trying to defend. Maybe you make a defensive sub or two, right? Okay, well, those guys aren't the greatest penalty takers to begin with. Like, they just not, did not have great penalty takers out there to begin. There's only like, no. Gosh Dog was the only one out of them that I would have felt confident was going to bury it. And, and he, he slips. Did, he, and he did and he not, slips. obviously. Yeah. And uh, that's that's another thing. If you wanna, if you wanna, uh talk about big picture how we're perceiving all of this yeah he doesn't slip that might be a then what? Different then what? yeah because andre goes out and he saves the first penalty exactly and then if gosh dog hits that all of a sudden lafc is like oh shit like it's on us right and, you know you you, yeah. you never know how much that changes so um i thought it was an interesting tactical wrinkle on the first la goal um so first of all they did a good job i thought of selling it and i thought carlos Vela was going to hit that with his left i thought he had a better angle with his left but instead kellen acosta takes it jack mcglynn is on the inside of the wall he jumps and he ducks his head knocks the ball into his own net whatever bad bad bounces happen deflections happen if you're in the wall you cannot jump and turn like you just cannot jump and turn and here's the thing mcglynn's pretty tall like he's young whatever but you need you need to put people in the wall who are psychos, like psychotic, who don't mind getting blasted in the face, right? I don't know if McGlynn's a dog. Jose or Martinez. Not. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know enough about Jack McGlynn to say for sure whether he is a dog or whether he's not a dog. You know what I'm saying? But Jose Martinez, to your point, yes, he is. He's a psycho. And if you go back and you watch the second free kick that they took from the same exact spot, they replaced McGlynn on the inside of the wall with Brujo Martinez, right? And mm-hmm. he jumped, did not turn. He would have been ready to take one in the face if it came to him. 
So that's the only thing that I that disappointed me with with that was just like the the jump in the turn, man. I mean, it's a championship game. You just there, you're taught at every level. Like if you're going to be in this wall, man, you got to be prepared to get absolutely obliterated here. And just this the slight turn ended up biting them in the ass on that. This is how small the margins are. This is what we're talking about in this game. If if we want to talk about whether or not they choked, like yeah. this is how small the margins are. Where Gazdog places his foot, um, next to the penalty spot, where mm-hmm. you know what a degree of turn Jack McGlynn's. But I mean, those are insanely small degrees of uh, margins to 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 decide a thirty four yeah. plus three game season. It's the details small. in the mar. It's the details in the margins, man. Isn't it always that? And it's not, and what- and it's not even that LAF. It's not even that LAFC necessarily got those right all the time either. I mean, their their defense on the on the Gazdak goal was it was actually worse than criminal because insta- they, yeah. they instead of they didn't even need, they they didn't freeze. They took a step back and then froze, which is the absolute yeah. two worst possible things you can do. Yeah. and yeah. the same on the McGlynn, on on Elliot's second goal where the ball's just bouncing around crazy in the box and no one decides to to do anything about it. So it's not like it's not like the union even necessarily got out executed all that much. Yeah. It, I I have stood in so many and this is I want you to go through your list and then I'm going to shut up for a while, but like mm-hmm. there are so many games where Jim Curtin over the last 8 plus years that he's been the head coach have sat in press conferences and said, you know, the ball didn't bounce our way this this day and a lot of us in the media would look at each other and go, well, that's bullshit. Mm-hmm. In this case, it's actually not. It's, yeah. I mean, it really is. That's what it came down to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, speaking of like marginal stuff and getting the very small things, right. Um, Jack Elliott should have been nowhere near a free kick in this game. You know, oh, absolutely. Not when, not when you have, when I saw him lining up over it, I was like, Jesus Christ, because you had Wagner on the field and you had McGlynn on the field. You had Jacob Glessons who scored, free kicks in this very stadium on the field like jack uh, um, jack elliott i would have i would have had nowhere near those free just wasted opportunities man it's a title game like the, you mm-hmm. you you're talking about like you just made the point about the the fine detail like the slimmest of margins that we're talking about here what if that's the difference between a between a goal and not a goal or a deflection that sets up a corner or not you, you know what i mean and God knows Elliot's Elliot's only free kick goal was that goal that he scored against Columbus a couple of years ago, it which I'm pretty sure twice before it, it, it was a three hopper. Yeah. yeah. Um, to me, we talked about Jack McGlynn in the wall. I think there's a little something to, Hey, Jacob Glesnes is going to roar up and he's going to fire this ball at 110 miles an hour at your face. Yeah. Uh, your move guys, what do you want to do with that? I'm going to rip through a couple of them here. Um, number seven, Corey Burke, when he was injured in the collision, he couldn't finish. You know, with the way he was playing, I would have let him take a penalty for sure. That was a big loss too, because you're going to let Chris Donovan take a frigging penalty in an MLS Cup final. You know, um, no. number eight, LA fans throwing shit at the Union players. I mean, Lane, really shitty, uh, really shitty. Um, you know, that being said, much better fan base than what the Chargers and the Rams are pulling. I mean, like the atmosphere at the stadium was great. Yeah, considering the fact too that they had no parking there and like everybody was there early and on time, and there were no empty seats or whatever. I thought the atmosphere was great. They it's a wonderful, wonderful stadium. I mean, it's a yeah. wonderful state. It's one of the more beautiful yeah. soccer-specific stadiums in this country. It's a wonderful place to watch a game. Uh, Gareth Bale. Here's a point that I want to make that I didn't make in the story. In the two, in two of the four Cup finals that um, the Union have lost, the opponent has been able to bring Obafemi Martins and Gareth Bale off the bench. You know, like. <laughs> 
it's like the, it's like it seems like something you and me and Dave would have talked about on this podcast five years ago. Like imagine if I t- imagine if I told you this five years ago. Uh, fast forward into the I look into the future. And I see Gareth Bale denying the Union a championship. Yeah, and at that point like, I would have. What the fuck? And at that point I would have been covering Chris Donovan when he was a junior or senior <laughs> at Conestoga. Um, I, you know. It, Ernst Tanner, Ernst Tanner got fined for pointing this out, that one team can bring Gareth Bale off the bench and another team can bring Chris Donovan off the bench. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how you fix that. I I I I don't know. I think I think the key is having guys that are maybe, you know, having a little bit more depth um in your roster is a way to fix that. But yeah, yeah. that at some point it's just there's there's no there's no there's no adjusting that. There's, well, let me fast let me fast forward then to point number sixteen, and I'll backtrack. See, you know, Bedoya not being available is obviously a huge loss. Not only because he won him starting on the right side, but it forces McGlynn again to the right side on his left foot, and it takes away the ability to sub him on for Leon Flock. Right? What were the big subs they made all year long? Corey Burke on for a striker, Jack McGlynn on for Leon Flock at sixty-five or whatever, and then you know throw another body on there. Right? Okay, so they didn't have much bench depth to begin with you know mm-hmm. like who are the and, short bets coming off the bench in this game Corey burke and that was it and that was it you know? and i have to you know i have to i would have to check the mls rules because they might have put bedoya on the bench simply because they wanted his voice there yeah because he i don't think was allowed to be on the bench and if that's the case that's a dumbass rule i have to check that um because he wasn't on the bench for the NYCFC game, he was up in the stands because he didn't dress. So they might have dressed him just so that, or they might have dressed him because they hoped and then they weren't sure, and he he didn't pass fit the day of. That would be a question for Jim. I should um, note this. Another question for Jim. Let me just make this point real quick before I forget it. Mm-hmm. So he made the Burke for Orr sub. He brought Paxton Aronson in for Jack McGlynn. So those mm-hmm. were two subs in regulation. He used two of his three windows. He made the sub Chris Donovan for Corey Burke because of injury, right? Mm-hmm. Um, not a concussion, not a head injury thing, though, right? Just a regular injury. I believe so. Right. So I was looking at the rules. I was trying to understand them. In the FIFA laws of the game, it says that you can move – that if you don't use your third window, your third window can go to extra time. Because here's the thing. People were asking, why didn't they make a defensive sub after they went up three to two? And my thought, my first thought was like, well, you got Harriel and you got Matt Real. I don't know how much. Yes, you could have brought on another fullback. They didn't have another center back on the on the roster, though, right? So it, was, it wasn't like you were going to bring in like Stuart Finley. And no. just shove him in the box and say, "Hey, defend a bunch of headers." But you weren't going to bring on Jesus Bueno for the second time all year until no, him. no, exactly. Like you, you could have got what you could have done is gone to like a back five and pulled. They have done this before. Throw Harriel out there, move Mbaiza like in and play him as like a right center back. And just throw throw like an extra body on there. But you know, mm-hmm. some people were splitting hairs about whether Jim should have done that or whether he shouldn't have. What are the sub rules? What do the windows look like? It's up to each individual competition, right? So it's like MLS has its own guidelines on top of what the new rule states in the laws of the game. But I don't think it was that important because I don't think it would have made that much of a difference to be honest. No, I don't, I don't think he would have had another sub available to him. They didn't, uh, MLS doesn't add an extra sub window. Right. So my understanding was that he didn't have anything because he had to go back in that, and make that, but even though he had that third window that carried over. 
I believe his third and final would have been Donovan, Donovan for Burke, yeah, which is yeah. why I think they labored on whether or not to make that decision. Um, uh, I, I think that's I, I I think that's why they I think that's why they waited so long for that decision to be made. Um, the other flip side, when we're talking about depth, is you know you bring on Paxton Aronson in the 84th minute, and he did what for the last 36 minutes in the game? Yeah, nothing. Yeah. Playing, I, playing out of position, playing out of position too, you know? Right. And, you know, if you want to fault Jim Curtin for maybe not experimenting with the four two 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 for rainy days like this at some point, yeah, you know, go ahead and do that. But at the same time, when were you going to experiment with that? When you were, when you were like, when you're up five, one against Colorado and like, yeah. okay, now let's switch and see what we can get out of this. Like you can't, but I, I think you need to be able to get more out of guys like that. And, um, I'm not very bullish on Paxton's move of uh, rumored move to Red Bull Leipzig. I, I can see him being Caden Clarked. Is that where it was? I, I, are, you, are you talking about Frankfurt or to Frankfurt? I'm sorry. Frankfurt. I could yeah. see him getting loaned back. Cause I don't think he's ready uh, for Europe quite yet. Yeah. He's not ready to be an MLS starter. Yeah. Yeah, I you know, oh. I could see them playing him with like the Frankfurt second team or something like that. It's still a good level over there. Um but yeah, I mean that's the thing when they're stuck behind Gajdai, we talked about it all year long, man. They got these tweeners, like him and Quinn Sullivan, they're not really eights. Yeah, but they're not gonna get much time at the ten as long as Gajdai's there, you know? So it's like they throw him on at the eight and then he's gotta defend on the wing. And this brings me to my next point. So in the third goal. There's a f- throw in that comes for LA because they can't get the ball out, right? At that point in the game, you should just be hacking the ball. You should just be booting the ball as far as you can friggin' kick it, right? Just um, be kicking the ball towards the San Gabriel Mountains. You're three minutes away from a championship, right? So the ball comes in, the throw comes in. Olivier Ambizo is playing the back. He's got it pretty well. No turn there. Paxton Aronson jumps and tries to like knock the ball down out of the air. And Palacios takes two like brilliant touches. Ambizo tries to peel off of his guy and come back and cover. First of all, let's defeat the narrative that Mbizo got beat to the end line because it wasn't his guy to begin with. That was Aronson's guy on the throw, and he was marking somebody else. He'd also, Mbizo, been, brilliant for a great game. He'd also been brilliant for 115 minutes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And Palacio, I mean, those are like two amazing touches. And then he just like lofts that ball up perfectly. You know, look, Jack Elliott is six foot six. Should he ever lose a header like that? No, but those are tough for center backs to play because you're going backwards. You have to stop, plant, move forward. And you got a guy coming downhill at you who's who's has leverage in the air and is jumping earlier and can see the ball. He knows where it's coming. You're reading and reacting, right? Jack Elliott also just ran a friggin' ultra marathon, right? Mm-hmm. It's been on the field for 120 minutes. He scored two goals for you as a friggin' center back, right? And he just got dunked on. And now here's the thing, man. Gareth Bale's not a small guy. He's six foot one. He's like 180. Like he's like my size, right? So I don't think I could <laughs> beat Jack Elliott like most of the times. But if I knew that dude just ran like 10 miles and like I was fresh and I knew where the ball was coming, I had an advantage on him. I would feel confident about it. You know what I'm saying? So I can't, I can't put, I can't kill Jack for that, especially after yeah. the game that he just played, you know? Yeah. If you want to crucify Jack Elliott for scoring two goals in that, I mean, I, I can't, I can't in any good faith do that. So, no, I mean, no. it's just, it's just, it's just one moment where you got out executed. And unfortunately it, unfortunately it cost them the game, but you know, there was a lot of other opportunities to not lose that game against, you know, John McCarthy. Well, here's the thing, man. 
We've gotten, 20, we've gotten 20 minutes into the press call, into this without <laughs> mentioning John McCarthy. If it was me and me and you and Zeitlin, it would uh, that would have been the first thing he mentioned. I, I tweeted a joke about that before the game, and it's not funny. Not funny. The two people who denied Philadelphia Union their first MLS Cup ever were like on total opposite sides of the spectrum. Gareth Bale, world class star who scored multiple Champions League winners, and then John McCarthy, the former backup here, who in the in the most twisted bit of irony of all of this was brought in for the Union in the 2015 U.S. Open Cup final for penalties. Four penalties, you know, didn't win that game. But now he comes back and he finds success seven years later against the like, you cannot make this shit up, man. No, I had a I had a uh, I had a tweet saved in drafts that unfortunately went to the big Elon Musk inbox in the sky. That was about about John McCarthy being a, a sleeper agent for the union. And uh, and this is the way that they finally win MLS Cup. Yeah. It's just it. I have nothing salient to say about it because most of it's just swear words and sighing. I mean, there's nothing else. There's nothing else that you can say about that. I, I mean, great for John. I mean, for McCarthy, it's an amazing story. I mean, the kid goes from yeah. from LaSalle to to winning MLS Cup. He makes two great saves. Absolutely mm-hmm. deserves it. Good for him and good for his family. You know, I I can't I can't. I have nothing bad to say about John McCarthy because he goes and he wins that shootout. Um, yeah, yeah. This is not. This is not like. This is not Joe Juravicious. You know, it's not Joe Carter. It's not. You know, um, who is the asshole that Chris Pronger kept arguing with in 2010? Like Ben Eager, right? This is not Ben Eager, right? You know what I mean? Like this is like mm-hmm. a local dude who's a nice dude who was good to us. Like if you're gonna get killed by anybody, okay, I guess it's gonna have to be him. But I mean, you just you just cannot. Can I make it? I thought we were past the whole that's so union thing, like in these crazy, that's ridiculous, pretty, unbelievable, pretty damn unbelievable storylines, you know? I mean, the only way it could have been more union is if Nick Sakevich presented the trophy. I I, <laughs> I don't know how I'm, much worse it could get. He's in Arizona now. I'm surprised he didn't drive out there for the game. Yeah, we get like a crowd shot of him or something. That's that's the sickest part of all of it. Like you felt like you were through all of that that's so union craziness, you know, only to be bit in the ass by one of those exact storylines that you and me and Dave would have done in our top 25 most union moments of all time. And this would have went right to the, if we redid that podcast, this would go to number one to the top of the list. Oh, that would be the entire podcast. It would be the entire podcast. Yeah. So I don't know. That was just, that was another kick in the, kick in the dick. But um, let me just rip through a couple more of the game things here because because I'm getting to like other macro level stuff here. Andre Blake is a stud, saved the first penalty. Never forget that. Never forget that when, J- when John McCarthy beat Andre Blake, Blake saved the first penalty. All right, let's all remember and that for a turn. So close to that bail shot, he was so, so close. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, or and Carranza didn't have amazing games. I mean, they really didn't um, offensively. Just didn't get enough out of him. Um, Glessness, rock steady in the back. Excellent on the ball. I mean, good game from him. And Elliot, too, skating on a yellow card the entire time, doing what he did on a mm-hmm. yellow card is, is phenomenal, right? A hundred, um, 106 minutes. 106 minutes plus eight minutes on on, uh, on, a, yellow on a yellow card. Uh, these teams are so evenly matched, it's it's ridiculous. They played to a 3-3 draw, a 2-2 draw, a 3-3 draw, right? Um, and this people probably don't want to hear this, right? But Technically, this game goes down as a draw in the history books, all right? And then that takes us to the further conversation of 
how can you have penalty kicks decide a championship in any major sport? Especially in this game, because you saw goals happen in extra time. Like Mm -hmm. there's so many, like if ever there was a game where you're like, all right, give them another sub and let them run for another 30 minutes. They're going to find a way to score. Okay. Someone's going to score. And if you played another 30, if another two 15s, somebody would have scored. They would have found a way. That was the number one complaint that I saw skimming like WIP and Fnatic and casual like four for four feeds and stuff like that. People who are watching the game that don't watch the union or don't watch soccer, their number one beef was like, how can you decide a championship on penalties here? Mm-hmm. I agree with them a million percent. I would also say it's funny in a sick way that we defeated the soccer players flop and fake narrative because the LAFC goalkeeper fucking broke his leg yeah. saving the game for his team. He should get a statue outside of that stadium, sacrifice his World Cup to give his, not even to win it for his team, but to give his team a chance to go ahead and win it. So Max Craig yeah, I mean, should, he, get, should get the biggest, he should get the Doug Peterson statue treatment out there. I mean, there. he did it, he also did it illegally. That, you know, well, I, I don't, I, I fall Luis short Suarez, of... It was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break the rules and know what the consequences. I'm going to break the did. rules and my leg. He did, and yeah. that didn't, as I recall, that didn't work out great for Luis Suarez. No, but it worked. You know, Cripo gets rewarded. I think with something that's interesting in this is you mentioned LAFC and and the union being so evenly matched, mm-hmm. and they're just polar opposites in the way they go about roster construction. Yeah, right. I mean, the yeah. union probably. I'm going to say that the union. I mean, the union only used 16 different starting 11s all season. They're mm-hmm. probably the most consistent in the league in terms of who their starters are. And I bet you LAFC is way on the other side of that. That. uh that spectrum um they have so much depth they have so many different guys that they can rotate in and they have a lot of you know they have a lot of tam guys they have a lot of mid-range guys and then the union Mm -hmm. have their expensive guys and then their cheap guys and it's they're they're so they're so different in the way that the rosters are constructed and again i think that speaks to (laughs) this is an interesting league to try and watch because it's insane they had Giorgio Chiellini and Gareth Bale on the bench. On the bench, yes. Yeah. Let me just say that one more time just for dramatic effect. I'm going to pause for a moment. They had Giorgio Chiellini and Gareth Bale on the bench. Next to John McCarthy. Next to John McCarthy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, so, I, so in the eyes of MLS, John McCarthy, Giorgio Chiellini, basically the same person. <laughs> I I don't even basically the same person. I don't even know what to say. say Giorgio Chiellini is from the Mayfair of of Turin. (laughs) Imagine like John McCarthy sitting there and like explaining his upbringing, like and how he came through to like Chiellini and Bale. He's like, yeah, I played for the Union, and then yeah, I was yeah with Ocean City before that. Do you know where LaSalle University? You know, like. Explaining it to these dudes who have played like high level champions, it's it's the only it's only an MLS would that ever be able to, would, yeah. would you ever be able to, to have something like that? When I I I I do have dibs on covering when John McCarthy takes Gareth Bale to the Aramingo Ave Wawa for for dinner. Oh, for fuck's sake! That I, I that yeah. I have dibs on covering. Yeah, yeah, and then he explains to him. Gareth Bale says, "Why is this line so long?" And John McCarthy says, "All right, see this woman up there. She's the cashier can't find the right cigarettes for her." She's been trying to find the Marlboro see, Reds for see, last. Time. See this? See this woman here? She's paying for cools in dimes, and she's got to <laughs> count them out. Welcome to the Aramingo Wawa. Oh my God! Yeah, I mean, he could. He, well, 
McCarthy should take the trophy to uh, Frankfurt and Cotman, you know, with Chiellini, you know, that would be yeah. quite the, uh, quite the, quite the after image there, wouldn't it? But yeah, I mean, that's what the casuals were complaining about. Like, how do you, how do you, how do you go to penalties with that? You know, I just, I, 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 I think what they should do is they should just keep playing. Well, what they should do, honestly, man, is they should just fucking go back to golden goal. Golden I mean, goal. that would, that would be one thing. I, that's it. I'm know? a, I, I wish, listen, there are some games that go to extra time and we're going to see it in the world cup where you get to like around the 105th minute and everyone's like, all right, we're just playing out the string here. And you can, yeah. you know, there are games that have gone to extra time where you're like, okay, we could play for six more extra time periods and no one's going to score. This game was not like that. And you obviously can't create a rule. That's only like, if the game is good, then we go, then we advance to another yeah. extra time period. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, yeah. give him a fourth sub, bring, bring on Quinn Sullivan. And was Latif blessing. Did he play in that game? Was he on the bench? I don't bring, think he could. Yeah. Yeah. Bring, bring on Quinn Sullivan and, and Giorgio Chiellini and, and let's play another. Let's, let's rock play and roll, third. baby. Let's ride. Yeah. Let's go. Wow. Um, you know what? It's what really sucks. Um, this is the truth. Uh, but Jim Curtin is 0 and 4 in cup finals. Yeah. Um, and look, here's the truth. Like that Seattle game, Seattle had the better roster. I mean, technically, technically 0 2 and 2, but yes. Yes. Well, right. I, right. I should re, yeah. re, rephrase that for sure. You know, they lost two on penalties. You know, that um, Seattle team was better than the Union were. They didn't have much of a roster. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, but they were they were competitive in three of those, like all uber competitive in three of those four. It could have gone either way, right? Um, the only one that they really didn't show up was the Houston game in the mm-hmm. Open Cup final. So I can't if you if you went back and I looked at those like ten years from now, you could say Jim did not have the better roster on in any of those games, but they put themselves in positions where they could have won it, you know. I mean, they had two go to penalties, and then they were one one with Seattle until the very end there, right? So yeah, I mean, yeah. it's the same. It's the same, I think, kind of conversation that we're seeing with the Phillies right now. Which you know, not to plug my work covering the the postseason with the Phillies. Was it? A, like, let me ask you this: Was it? Would you have? Was it a bummer, like having to do the World yeah. Series? While no, no. It. I was a little. I was a little sad not to be out there. Um, but at the same time, I was covering a World Series. You're not gonna, you're not gonna get me to complain about. Yeah, right. It's not like you were sitting at home. Like you had like a legitimate like other thing to go do. Yeah, I wasn't. This wasn't. I wasn't covering Archbishop Carroll field hockey on Saturday, and that's why I couldn't go. You know, (laughs) uh, shout out to Archbishop Carroll Uh, field hockey. They made states. It's not a slight on them, but like, I was a little sad. Um, and it would have been nice uh, if like the uh, Phillies had decided to just lose in five and be done on Thursday. And then I could have flown out to LA, but at the same time that would have been getting greedy. So, you know, but anyway, to the larger point, I think what you saw from Jim Curtin is the same conversation that is being had with the Phillies of like Rob Thompson in the world series continued to do what got the Phillies there, i.e. having faith in his guys. Yeah. And it just didn't come off. And so, you know, if you're going to if you think that Jim Curtin is suddenly going to go into this final and be like this tactical, you know, puppet master and pulling all the strength, like that's not who he is. He put his faith in his guys mm-hmm. and it just didn't it just didn't come off in a couple key moments. And the third goal was a key moment where it didn't come off. And the in penalties, 
you know, that's kind of something that to begin with is out of Curtin's control. He just yeah. basically says, yeah. all right, decide amongst yourselves who's shooting. I'm sure he has some kind of final say over who actually does it in case like, you know, in the yeah. old days, Ray Gaddis was for some reason, like <laughs> I want to shoot first. Yeah. He could be like, no, 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 no. But I mean, it, it just, it just didn't, it just didn't work out, you know? No, back to what you back to what you said at the beginning. You know, multiple things can be true. The Union played one hell of a game, yeah. and also they didn't get lucky enough to win. Those can both be true. Yeah, and I, I said, you know, going into it, I'm like, look, the Phillies and the Union are both underdogs in their respective championships here, and I don't want to be like naive, and I don't want to tell fans who are like hurting and like have an emotional reaction to it. I don't want to like shit on their parade or whatever because. If you told me that the Union were up three to two with a couple minutes left and the Phillies were up two to one in that series with two more games at home, then you could throw that out the window who was the underdog and who was the favorite. Because at that point, they both had control of their respective championship games or series, you know. But I'm able to like look at it pragmatically, I think, because I think when you look at the entirety of it and, and, you know, take the timeline from start to finish. You know, Houston and LA were just were better teams all year long. And so I mm-hmm. went into it, I went into it with with blunted expectations, I guess is what I'm trying to say. It's not that like losing the way both of those teams lost. It's not that, that shouldn't sting, but I think if you kind of framed the expectation going into the World Series and going into MLS Cup and saying, look, the odds makers say this is is what it is, you know, it's not like this is not like the Eagles losing at home in 2002 to like Tampa Bay. Right. Mm-hmm. I guess that's what I'm trying to say is like, there are things that are total massive disappointments right. because you, you frame the entirety of the matchup and what came before it. Whereas nobody expected much from either one of these teams going into the world series or MLS cup. And they put themselves within position to do that. Mm-hmm. Right. So I think that's the, the, those are the hairs I'm trying to split here. If that makes any sense at all. Yeah. And, and being the Phillies being up two one in the World Series doesn't erase all of the context that got you to there. The mm-hmm. the Union being up three two doesn't erase everything that came before that. It doesn't erase the fact that you're in a hostile environment. It doesn't erase the fact that um, you know penalty kicks are a, a a toss up if you get to them. It doesn't erase the fact that Gareth Bale is Gareth Bale and you just brought on Chris Donovan. Like it doesn't erase all of those facts. And so to look at it in isolation is, yeah, okay, in isolation, the Phillies were up 2-1 and they had an oppor- they had a path, but they still had to take the steps down that path. And Houston did better to block them on that path. You know, Christian Javier yeah. and Framber Valdez said, yeah. no, you can't go down that path. Exactly. Um, yeah. It's and and they got like superstar contributions from superstars. Christian Javier was throwing friggin' fireballs out there. Mm-hmm. Framber Valdez was amazing the entire time. They were getting hits from Jeremy Pena. LAFC brought Gareth Bale off the bench. Like when you when you look at look at all of that in its entirety, I how do, how am I supposed to get more disappointed than I was? You know, because mm-hmm. in, in a way, it just it is what it is. You and know? you look and at I, and, both and, both of those teams got through with being largely what they were and without Mm -hmm. deviating from that. And then at the end, it just was, they just fell a little bit short, you know? Yeah. And I think that's just kind of luck. I mean, if that, I mean, if this game goes 120 plus six minutes, we're having a completely different conversation. Um, You know, you look at all the steps that it took to get here. And if you compare this to the, to the two open cup finals that they lost at home, 
that was all smoke and mirrors to even get there. Like you knew that you yeah. knew when it went to extra time against Seattle, that the union were lucky. You yeah. knew that when it went to extra time against SKC, they were lucky. And maybe that's where some of the source of this pain is, is that it's not straight luck that they were in that game. It's that they were actually worthy of playing with LAFC and being able to beat them. Yeah. And that maybe is a source of pain that, that you, that a lot of fans are are feeling. And that's completely valid. Uh, not going to tell you not to I'm not going to tell you that this doesn't suck because I'm sure it sucked for the last yeah. few days and it's going to probably suck for a while but at the same time like the the amount of the amount of events and things that you that the union had to do right to get to this point is so much more than just Jack Elliott loses Gareth Bale yeah, on a, on a, exactly. on a thing. Yeah. Like and LAFC, to, LAFC blew a two to one lead in the 84th minute too. Yes, so, okay, and, and, technically, and technically blew a one nothing lead. And technically they choked as well. Okay. Right. So like really the reality of the situation for being honest with ourselves here is that both teams had their respective choke, right? In the, in the union's case, they couldn't get it done in penalties. And in LA's case, they couldn't get it done going into extra time. So it just, the clock was working against them and then it and, came down to kicks, you know? And I mean, the best remedy for this is to push harder in the regular season to make sure that you don't have to play this game at LAFC next year or at wherever it may be and to try and have it at home. That's, I think the best remedy for, for fixing this in, in the future. But, you know, I, they, they did so much right and they had to have so much, go right and do mm-hmm. so many things correctly to get to this point that to then not finish it, it, it doesn't erase all those other things. It shouldn't. Yeah. And it'll take time. It'll take time for people to kind of, you know, square up and, and, you know, the emotional go away and for people who are hurting after it. Yeah. I mean, it sounds, it might be, this may be the last thing you want to hear at this point, but I think all of that stuff, man, will, will float to the top and will surface. And ultimately that will be like the, 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 the lasting thought, you know, is all of that, you know, framing it from start to finish this entire game. And, and we, and we don't have to fo- hyper-focus on one moment at the end. You know, I think that will eventually be, again, I use the term again, like the prevailing narrative when we look back at this game three, four or five years from now, but right now in the immediacy, yeah, it's not, it's not going to be like that. And I understand that. I don't blame people for, for feeling that way. But again, you and I are come from a journalism background, you know, like we don't look at it, like fans because we don't get invested like fans you know we just we end up being practical just that's just the nature of the, the business you know what i mean for for better or for worse right you know we don't get too high when the team wins we don't get too low when they lose you know we just try to steady it and like i think that's going to be the 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 lasting impression there is there was so much stuff that happened in this game that's hard to just focus on the one thing that happened at the end i have one final point here and then i'll toss it to you for a final point um the fox broadcast i just have to say um, drives me fucking crazy. And it wasn't just MLS Cup, but they do this all the time. Um, I'm not talking about Moe, do I'm not talking about Stu, I'm not talking about John Strong. I think all those guys do a very good job. I think the presentation is fine. The the analysis is fine with it, right? Um, the people that, who are directing and producing these games have no idea what the fuck they're doing. You you we almost missed two scoring opportunities in this game mm-hmm. because they were they cut away from live action to show close-ups. Um Soccer. I'm still, I'm still waiting to see the Max Kripo play. I'm still waiting to see. Right. Um, they soccer is the easiest game to broadcast on the planet. Right. Here's what you do. Leave it follow on. The, leave it follow on the goddamn one. ball. Leave it on camera one. Follow the ball and do not come off a of camera one ever. 
Like I, I, I did nine miserable years of television. I will consult for Fox for free. I will fly out to wherever their headquarters is. And I will tell them this. It's, it's the producer and the director, you know, they're trying to overproduce a game that, that does not need to be really be produced at all. Like you just keep the camera on a swivel. If there's an injury or something, or there's a stoppage in play and you need to peel back and you need to show the coach giving instructions to somebody, you need to show how much time is, you know, left on the the clock or what stoppage time is going to be like, I get it, you know, but you, you, you have to be like ultra careful when you peel away from that stuff. Cause the live action is so quick that you're going to miss something. And they got burned by my count, like five or six times in this game. Mm-hmm. I actually thought that, uh, yeah, that's, that's not, uh, it, it shouldn't, that shouldn't be the case in an MLS cup broadcast. I mean, it's Fox. Yeah, They've been no. doing this all year. This is now, not, here's, here's the question, man. Are they, are we going to see this shit in the world cup for the next three weeks? Well, I think the World Cup, you have some of the World Feed stuff, so that means that we're going to constantly... I think some of the World Cup games are a little bit slower, and so you're constantly going to get those insets to the slow-motion, soft-focus cameras. You're right, um, though. It's a singular. I do love. They're all taking a a global feed, though, right? So it's not Fox. uh, They're taking some... I think they're taking some stuff off. Some of the games, I think, might just be straight global feed just because it's, you know... It's not a big game, you know mm-hmm. the, you know, Iran versus uh, well, Nigeria on a okay. Saturday morning. Yeah, okay. I think will be fine. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I. I. And I thought some of the aspects of their of Fox's broadcast were good. I thought the the sideline reporting was very good and was a was well done between the benches. Uh, I'm not the biggest. I'm not the biggest John Strong fan, but that's a that's a whole nother thing. He said he. Uh, at one point, he equated Max Cropo, what during the during the waiting to see if Max Cropo's leg was still attached portion mm-hmm. of the show, where he's like, "Well, I don't know if it's a red card, and you know, Jack Elliott had a maybe could have been a second yellow card, as though those were somehow equivalent." Yeah. Um, I thought that was well, it was cool. clear denial of a goal scoring opportunity. I mean, how how ridiculous too, by the way, the guys getting carded off and red carded at the same time. You know, I mean, I mean, he should have been re- he should have been red carded straight away because duh, he was the last man back. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I'm not, you know, independently, I'm not the biggest John Strong fan because there's just mm-hmm. too much screaming. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, not 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 the best of broadcast. But again, I, my my biggest takeaway from the game is that if you are a casual fan and this is the first MLS game that you've watched, that was a great MLS game. It was back and forth. Yeah. It was quick. Mm-hmm. It had a little bit of everything. You had narratives. You had star power. You had. Um, I think there's some value in the union being a team that you can attach yourself to in the sense that they are a, you know, they are, if you watch European soccer, they are what you want a mid table team to be in the sense that they punch above their weight. Um, But luckily the American system allows it so that West, you know, the West Hams of MLS actually have a chance Mm -hmm. to do something other than, you know, book a place in the inner Toto cup if you know, in the middle of the season. So, um, uh, uh. you know, I think, I, I think there's a lot of people who are casual fans of Philadelphia sports that have paid more attention to sports in the last month because of the Phillies and the Eagles that are now paying attention to the union. I think there are um, maybe some casual fans of soccer who aren't paying attention to MLS all that much that mm-hmm. watch this game and now are more tuned in. So, um, I think that was an important thing. And I also think there's some people on Twitter that were worried about this being somehow a window closing on the union. Um, I I don't, I don't, I don't feel that way. 
even even remotely. I think I don't feel that way either. I you know I, I guess think, we can probably talk about that more like in the winter. But I mean, but, I think I mean Kai go you know. briefly. I think Kai leaves. I think Olivier leaves. Hmm. Um, and Aronson leaves, and then so what? You know, your midfield is your midfield is mostly constructed. You have one of your replacements already in the fold in Richard Odata, who I think who I'm kind of high on. Very looking forward to him. Yeah, you have both of your starting center forwards under contract after tremendous years. Um, You know, if Gazdag decides to leave, that would be a a serious blow. But I think as long as you have, as long as you have Blake, Glesnes, Elliott two of the three midfielders and your two forwards and Gazdog. It's all good. Hey, look, that's man, a better, look, that's a better starting point than anyone else in MLS has. They moved on from Casper Shabelko and Jamiro Montero last year. They didn't skip a beat. You know, they got, they better. got much better, much so. better. They won the shield and tw- they won the shield in 2020, uh, got rid of Brendan, uh, lost Brendan Aronson and Mark McKenzie and came mm-hmm. back the next year and were second in the Eastern conference and went deeper in the playoffs. Bang. See, this is the this is the positivity that we bring on this podcast. We uplift people and we let them know what's coming, you know, right? This is not a doom and gloom podcast. It's always pragmatism in Philadelphia, in Philadelphia. As, far, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Um listen, we'll do I don't know, maybe I'll get some people on here and we'll do some World Cup stuff. Uh, I usually like to take a break after the season just because I'm swamped with shit, you know. But I, I we'll see. I don't you listeners, yeah. If you're listening, let me know. Let me know if you're have a desire for this stuff as we go forward. We have a Champions League match, you know, to look forward to. Alianza is going to be their opponent in the opening round. Um, I don't really give a shit right now. I'm, I still want to talk about MLS Cup. But, um, yeah, some positive stuff to look forward to for a well. while. You, you guys let me know if you want me to keep doing I was thinking of taking, like, a break for a month or two or whatever. But uh, you want to want some more shows, World Cup stuff, uh, happy to do it. Um, but Matt, thanks, man. I appreciate you jumping on. I appreciate you contributing all year long. And for like all six years, I feel like I owe you like money or like a stipend or tacos again at Locopez, you know? I would go with taco. I'm I'm never gonna say no to tacos. Okay. All right. Well maybe we'll do a maybe we'll do another Mexican run the next time I'm when I drag my ass down to Philadelphia again one of these days. But uh um yeah, thanks, man. Not the way anybody wanted it to end, but <clears throat> hey man, we got to see one of the greatest games of all time. So I that's where I'm at. I just don't want people to think it's like the, I, I don't want choke to be brought up five years from now. That's where I'm at. You know, you know, when you've done this podcast at the end of a season and you've wondered whether or not Keon Daniel is going to take the next step the next year and how big that is, <laughs> it really puts things into some perspective from the union, from it a does. union standpoint. It does put things into perspective. Well, I appreciate you <clears throat> putting things into perspective, man. I appreciate everybody listening this year and uh, give me some feedback. If you're going to keep doing it over the winter, I'll do it. And if not, I'll uh, sit on my ass and play Rocket League or something and take a break. So uh, anyway, uh, that is the prevailing narrative. It's always soccer in Philadelphia. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you when we see you, all right?